Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi there. I hope that you're having a great day. We're going to take just a few minutes this morning. Happy Thanksgiving. It is one day away from the Thanksgiving holiday. I have meat thawing and Glenn's getting ready to smoke some meat but I'm telling you what it is a blustery day here in Huntsville Alabama today it's raining and it's kind of dark outside but we are rejoicing in our hearts if you're a part of the digging deep in God's Word Bible study you have something very big to be thankful for and that is the influence of the word in your life and it permeates every area of our lives and haven't we needed that this year during all the challenges that have come our way as americans in the year 2020 let's give thanks to god not just at thanksgiving time but every single day and let's dig in right now to first kings chapter 8 i want us to take a few truths about the house that that bears the name of the lord from first kings chapter 8 if you want to be turning there We'll begin around verse 21. What's the setting in 1 Kings chapter 8? Well, it's Solomon having built the house that bears the name of the Lord. And in verse 1, he assembled all the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. So they're bringing up the covenant, that the Ark of the Covenant, to place it in the new temple that Solomon has built. You remember in previous chapters, he covenanted with Hiram, um, a king of the Sidonians, I believe it was, to bring cedars of Lebanon so that he could build the temple and he had some people to use some stones and bring them in and uh, if you've done any research about the temple it was a magnificent structure containing lots and lots and lots of very valuable materials and solomon of course having asked god for wisdom being granted that wisdom god also blessed him materially in a way that Nobody else in the Bible was blessed materially, and very few people in the history of the world. He was the richest man in all the world in his day. But in 1 Kings chapter 8, he's finished the temple, and 1 Kings chapter 8 is kind of a consecration and a prayer for that temple and I want us just to notice some key verses in that chapter that describe some of the things that of necessity were in the temple in first Kings 8 verse 21 the Bible reads and I have set there a place for the ark wherein is the covenant of the Lord which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt and so we know that in that ark were, were the commands of the Lord. And so the temple was a place of, I'm going to put these two words together, of covenant and command. It was a place that housed the covenant of God, the agreement that God made with his people, and his commands, his stipulations for that covenant. The temple was a place of covenant keeping. In verse 29, and 
really all of this chapter, we find that the temple of God, the house of God, was a place of prayer. That your eyes may be open toward this house night and day, even toward the place of which you have said, My name shall be there. That thou mayest hearken or listen unto the prayer which thy servant shall make toward this place. The rest of the chapter is going to refer to God looking at the house that bears his name. And when people look toward it and pray, he hearkens and listens. So the house of God, the house that bears his name, is a house of prayer. 1 Kings 8 verse 30 and a lot of the verses that surround this verse as well. And hearken, listen, God, to the supplications of your servant and of the people Israel. And when they pray toward this place, that's the house with his name, and hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place. And when thou hearest, when you hear God, forgive. The house of God was a place of forgiveness. And then we read in verses 42 and 43. And again, this concept is reiterated throughout the passage. For they shall hear of your great name and of your strong hand. Who are we talking about? Verse 41, we're talking about foreigners, aliens, people who've migrated in to the country of Israel or people who pass through. When they hear of your great name coming out of a far country and of your strong hand and of your stretched out arm, when they come and pray toward this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and do even according to all that the stranger calls you for, that all the people of the earth might know your name to fear you as do your people Israel, and that they may know that, that this house which I have built is called by my name. Do you get that? This is a place of evangelism. The house of God is a place where we want people to look at the house that bears his name and to see the wondrous works of God, know the house which bears his name, and hear even those strangers who come. I love that passage because it really, uh, for me, says that the house that bears God's name must be a place of evangelism. 1 Kings 8 verse 63, then Solomon continued to pray and about God's hearing the prayers that were spoken toward this house that bore his name. And then he said, let my words, verse 59, wherewith I've made supplication before the Lord be near to the Lord our God day and night that he might maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel at all times. God's house is a place of victory, of victory over the enemy, whatever that enemy might be. And he talks about that at length in this passage. And then in verse 63, God's house is a place of sacrifice. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. And then it goes ahead and describes those sacrifices so the king and all the children of israel bottom of verse 63 dedicated the house of the lord with those sacrifices and then verse 66 there's joy in the house of the lord on the eighth day he sent the people away and they blessed the king and they went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the goodness that the lord had done for david his servant and for israel his people 
There was joy and thanksgiving. I love to think about that, especially this week. There's joy and thanksgiving in the house of the Lord. So we have seven or eight characteristics here, things that were going to exist in the house of the Lord, the house that bore his name. Covenant keeping, prayer, forgiveness of sins, that's verse 30, evangelism, sacrifice, rejoicing, all of those things, and victory, I think I left out victory, all of those things are going to be always in the house that bears the name of the Lord according to this dedication ceremony that we find in 1 Kings chapter 8. Well, but I'm not a Jew. Cindy Colley was not born into Judaism, and so I am one of those strangers. What does God have for me for a house that bears his name today? Well, we just can go to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we can read about that house that was made so that Gentiles could be included in that great house of God. 1 Peter chapter 2, if so, you've tasted, verse 3, that the Lord's gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, rejected indeed of men, but chosen of God, and precious. We have a precious chief cornerstone in our building today. You also, as living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual building in which I get to be, and it's a spiritual building that wears the name of God in Christ, the name Christ today. Wherefore, verse 6, it's contained in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, chosen, precious, and he who believes on him will not be put to shame. To you, therefore, who believe that he is precious, do you believe that Jesus is precious? But unto them which are disobedient, the stone that the builders rejected, the same is made the head of the corner. So it, it's talking about the Jews here rejecting, many of them rejecting the chief cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ, but he's the head of my corner. His name's on my house. His name's on the cornerstone of my house. He became a stone of stumbling to them and a rock of offense, even to those who stumbled at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. They were Jews. They were appointed to keep the house of the Lord way back in 1 Kings chapter 8. But now when the real spiritual house of the Lord, the real cornerstone Jesus Christ comes, they rejected him. But you, but you, verse 9, that's me. You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar or separate people for God's own possession, that you should show forth the praises the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, I, which in time past were not a people. I wasn't a part of the Jews. I wasn't a part of any chosen nation. But I am now part of, verse 10, the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have 
obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Let's don't bring the uncleanness of the world into the, the holy place that bears the name of God. And then he goes ahead and gives various instructions. I wanted us to notice before we conclude this, Hosea 14, verse 2. O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have fallen by your iniquity. Take with you words and turn to the Lord and say to him, Take away our iniquity and receive us graciously. So we will render the calves as bullocks. We will render the offering of our lips. Verse 4, I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel. He will grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches will spread and his beauty will be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. He's saying here to the Jews who have been carried away into captivity, I will offer you forgiveness. This is what Solomon was praying for in 1 Kings chapter 8 when he said, when my people are carried away into captivity and they turn around, read 1 Kings 8, and they turn around and they look toward this place and they pray and they repent, forgive them. But then finally, it was the majority of the Jews, these Israelites over in the New Testament who rejected Christ and hung him on a tree so that he died for the sins of the world. And therefore I, who was not a people, verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 2, now I get to be a part of the people of God, people who had not obtained mercy heretofore, but now I, praise God, can have his mercy as a part of the house of God, which bears his name. I can be a living stone. So what kinds of things are in the house of God for me today? Same things. It's a place of covenant. It's a place where God has given me a promise that if I will serve him, I can live eternally in heaven with him. If I will keep his commandments, if you love me, Jesus said, keep my commandments. And then I will appear before him in judgment and I will hear the words, come ye blessed of my father. That's the covenant that I have. It's a place of prayer. Oh, how many New Testament passages do we have that assure us that if we cast our cares upon him, he cares for us. That's because we're in the house that bears his name. That's because we're part of the house of God. He's going to hear our prayers. Forgiveness is there. We read about that in 1 Kings chapter 8. But he shed his blood, the precious lamb, so that I might have redemption, even the forgiveness of my sins. Where is it available? Well, the very institution of the house that bears the name of God was in Acts chapter 2. And the people said, what must we do? And it was repent and be baptized. Why be baptized? For the forgiveness of sins. You see, the very institution of the house of God in Acts chapter 8 called people to a place of repentance and forgiveness, just like the house of God in 1 Kings chapter 8. It's a place of evangelism. 
Oh, yes, when the stranger comes, the person who's not been a, a part of the house of God, I'm going to want to show forth his glory from his house to those people. That's why uh, this week I've, I've been involved in a Bible study. I've taken a book to someone uh, who what is not a Christian who said, I would like to study that book. I, I, this week, I, I, well, I asked Glenn this morning to uh, check and see if there was a certain evangelistic book in his office because I have someone in another state that I want to send that book to. We as people of God, now I'm not patting myself on the back because I really need to grow in my prowess, in my skill, in my ability, and most of all, in my taking advantage of opportunities to show people the name that's on the house of God. I really need to be more adept at taking the stranger, that is the person who is not a Christian, and bringing them to the house of God and showing them the blessings that are in the house of God as Solomon talked about in 1 Kings chapter 8. I need to do better at that. But if we are people of God, we're going to be about that every day. We're going to naturally be about looking for those people around who have not, what's the passage say in 1 Peter, have not obtained mercy. I don't want to be a person who ever lives without his mercy. And if I have experienced his mercy, then how much more merciful am I going to be to those people around me that I see walking around without hope, without his mercy? I want them to look toward the house that bears his name. And so I'm going to be evangelistic. It's a place of sacrifice. And we read how that Solomon offered those sacrifices at the bottom of 1 Kings chapter 8. The church is a place of sacrifice. The house of God today is, Romans 12, 1 and 2. We are living sacrifices. We are loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. The greatest commandment is still the greatest commandment. And when we do that, loving Him means keeping His commandments even when they are not convenient. There are a lot of sacrifices that the people of God are called upon to make in his house as living stones in his house. There's rejoicing in the house. There's victory. I always leave out victory. There's victory in the house of God. God was called upon in 1 Kings chapter 8 to look toward that house. And when his people were involved in battle against the enemy and they were serving him to bless, God was called upon to look at his house and bless them. Does he look at our house today, the house of God, and bless us with victory over the enemy? Well, I think that's what 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says. It says there, there's not a trial. There's not a temptation that's bigger than God, but he will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. He's given us the victory. And you know, in those Old Testament passages, when God said, I've given you Jericho way before the actual fall of the walls, they didn't have to wonder if the walls were going to fall. They didn't have to wonder if Jericho was going to be theirs. It was a promise of God, and that's his covenant. And God never breaks his end of the covenant. If we're serving him, we will be victorious. And today our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's principalities and powers. It is the devil working through philosophies around us all the time, people around us all the time. But God's promised us if we're serving him, we'll be victorious. And I love that. In the house of God, we're victorious. And finally, 1 Kings 8 closed with a scenario of rejoicing. The people went to their houses and they were 
rejoicing because of the goodness of the Lord. I almost want to tell you, we've heard a lot of maybe legitimate complaining this year. We've had some rough circumstances this year, and we're not out of the woods. I have people that are dear to me right now that are struggling with COVID, that are physically compromised, medically compromised already, and they're struggling with COVID. It has been a tough year. But I'm telling you what, if we are people of God, life is short anyway. Eternity is the goal, eternity in heaven with God. And though we want to be able, we're torn between the two, as Paul was, we want to stay here. We want to be able to evangelize. We want to be able to watch our children and grandchildren grow up. There's so much that we, because God's made us with uh, certain desires within us, innate desires, we want to keep living here. But you know what? Eternity is the goal. And if we are in the house that bears the name of God, then our future is secure. We should always appreciate the goodness of our God when we get to live in His house. I want to close then with 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that even brings this analogy maybe a little bit closer to home. I wanted us to specifically notice, and this is speaking congregationally here about the temple of God. Verse 9, we are laborers together with God. We are God's husbandry. We are God's building. We're a building, ladies. We're a building, and we wear the name of God. Verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, Paul says, and another builds thereon. But let every man take heed how he builds thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Oh, I want to be a part of the building that bears the name of Christ on its very foundation and cornerstone. A place where there is covenant keeping, where there is prayer where there's forgiveness, where there's evangelism, where there's sacrifice, victory, and rejoicing. I think it's a marvelous study to look back at 1 Kings chapter 8 and see what was in the house of God. And I didn't really include everything that's mentioned there. But if we look and see what's, what was in the house that bore the holy name of God in 1 Kings chapter 8, and we realize that we are the temple of God today, and we must be about being sure that all of those qualities, all of those blessings are in the house of God in which we live today. Have a great rest of the month of your study. As we're studying, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And be sure that on your personal tabernacle, and we are the personal temple of God as well as the corporate temple of God. And we read about that if you want to read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Be sure that on your personal temple is always the name of the holy God. Have a great day.